Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Roost Podcast. As always, I am Curtis Byers, here with my co-host Matthew Bartlett, the founder and managing editor of The Roost, your premier source for Rice Sports news and analysis. All right, well, spring practice is officially wrapped at Rice, so we are, um, alas, in the long, long stretch of the off-season between the end of spring and the beginning of fall practice, so, uh, we will have to keep you going with some content here for that uh, long dry spell, uh, starting with this podcast. Yeah, we can get creative, but we don't have to go from non, non-pure non football yet. We can settle in for at least one more, uh, what we'll say, hour and change, uh, given the uh, the rate that we go, uh, <laughs> exclusively on rice football on the field. for at least. Yeah, there's, there, there's still sort of the afterglow of spring practice where you can just keep talking about what happened during it that lasts a while. And, you know, that that sustains you for, you know, a couple of weeks from here until the, the, you know, reality really sets in. Right. And then this is the uh, this is the challenge for us. And this is why I think it's so interesting, because we sat down on this podcast. Um, I guess it was what, seven weeks, six weeks, is it six weeks? Because spring break in between six weeks ago, something like that. And we talked yeah, about right. uh, we talked about, you know questions that we had for the spring and you do that thing at the beginning of the spring where you're like i'm not going to get overly confident and uppity and excited about everything Mm -hmm. that happens in march because you know it's just spring ball and then you get to the end of the spring and then you're like everybody's great kumbaya it's going to be the best team ever so we our task is to sift through emotionally and understand how we actually feel about what actually happened on the field so Football intelligence and a little bit of emotional intelligence, which <laughs> we'll see how we're doing there. Yeah. Uh, so as always, rate, review, and subscribe the show. Share it with your friends uh, so we can we can get the word out more. Um, but uh, for more content, you can subscribe to the Patreon. Uh, Matt had a bunch of great notebooks throughout the spring with uh, all the detail you could want in terms of coverage on what was actually going on with the team uh, and obviously we'll co- we will cover some of that here today um but yeah stuff, I think we got long snapper news yeah like, do you want rice has a new long snapper that's in there like this is how detailed we're going which actually by the way they just picked up another long snapper long snapper long snapper transfer grad transfer from robert morris which they had like a run in sure. like the men's basketball tournament several years ago. They were like a 14 seed or something, 15 seed or something. I don't know. Uh, that's how <laughs> I knew it. I didn't know they had a football team, but they do. And Rice, they have Rice is, has claimed their long snapper. So they have uh, two transfers at long snapper now. So that's in the practice notebooks. And we got uh, had 2000 words on the spring game. And I am currently I just put a, a defensive update out from the spring i have an offensive update now i've already had 800 words on the quarterbacks and i haven't got to the rest of the offense yet so there's a lot there yeah are you, are, that's on brand carter right like it's through the spring and we're talking about who's going to start at quarterback yeah we'll get no, to that no, no. It, it would not be rice football <laughs> if, if that were not the case so someday it's going to happen and and we're just gonna like we're gonna have a three-minute podcast we're gonna be like well we have a guy rice has a quarterback nothing else to talk about bye and just for sim- symbol symbolicism, like symbolicism, symbol. That's not right. Symbolism. Yeah, whatever. Just for the sake of it, we are going to do a three minute podcast that says uh, we're good, even if we're not. <laughs> um, someday. Um, so I-, I guess I'll set the stage. We've kind of done. This is now episode one hundred something, one hundred eighteen, nineteen. Uh, so we've recapped spring as an entity several times. And of different springs, but it's always nice to give it a fresh look. So I kind of figured this go around for y'all listeners. We're just going to do true false to force us to pick one way or the other and uh, not give a sliding scale, even though we're probably going to try and equivocate a couple times uh, and, and just kind of go through a list of a couple of topics that we put together based on how we feel on a handful of different areas as we kind of go through. So uh, I'm going to kick it off with with an easy one. And e- easy is in, in air quotes. You can't see my air quotes, but I'm, <laughs> but I'm doing them. Uh, so true or false, and we'll both give our answers this, uh, you are more confident in the Rice football team than you were six weeks ago. 
Ooh, um, I would say true. Um, I feel better about the overall depth and performance in the defensive front seven. Uh, they found a couple of answers in the secondary with some guys out. Uh, there seems to be real depth at wide receiver, knock on wood, even with Jake Bailey gone. Uh, Christian McCaffrey seems to like actually be an in-flag player there. Um, Christian McCaffrey? Man, he would be really oh, good at this offense. Yeah. For, uh, I don't know. He's on the trade yeah. block, I hear. I guess that counts can, as a Freudian. Can slip. the Owls acquire him? Does he have eligibility left? I mean, he left Stanford early, right? That hey, counts. for the record, I'm okay with the NCAA declaring all wins null and void if Christian McCaffrey plays for the Owls. Yeah, I know. Like, well, when they you know, make you vacate wins, but like they can't take those away in your right. heart. So, like, you know, um, we didn't get a definitive. Well, I, I guess we won't spoil the quarterback thing, but I, I still, I feel about <laughs> the same. I, get, I feel about the same about the quarterbacks. I guess I would say, which is like solid. Um, and uh, seemed to be in an okay position at running back. Dean Connors had a great spring. So, um, yeah, I feel like there were answers to some questions and and feeling bolstered about some of those things. Uh, yeah. I'm And see, it's interesting to me because I'm kind of going in this, and I put this together in a, a, a microcast for, for some of the, the higher tier patrons before the spring game of kind of like, the ballpark things that I wanted to see this spring and what I was looking for. And, and I think you hit on a lot of them that I got answers to, to several of the questions that I had. And to some degree that, that was kind of expected. Like I, I, I'm trying to kind of stay level here to some degree, like on the offensive line, I feel better about the offensive line, but that was mostly just a, a function of I had to see five guys work together from start to spring to end of spring and get better. And they did. And so that's good. I, I so I, I I feel like they're they're on track for where I wanted them to be in so many uh, areas. I don't know if I leave left left spring feeling like they are so far ahead schedule it's going to be great. But I didn't leave spring saying, you know, hit the red button we're in trouble. Uh, so I'm going to say that it's it's true. I, I am more confident than I was six weeks ago because I ha- now have I feel like I have less questions. But also. If I went into the spring saying, you know, this is a year that they're supposed to make a bowl after spring, do I feel like more confident that they're going to do that than I did six weeks ago? I, I probably feel about the same. Um so it's going to be true because I don't feel less confident, but I'm I'm marginally more confident than I probably expected to be. Yeah, it's not a uh, it's not a sea change, and I think any college football fan who tries to draw expansive conclusions from any spring practice set is. Which is, and this is, that's the best point, because if you did feel like over the moon because things were going to go great in the spring, like, when does that ever, (laughs) like, like also, ultimately, every spring practice is your team going against itself. So, yes, there are ways you can evaluate things on the margins, but like, ultimately, you know, if one unit of your team is succeeding, it is at the expense of another unit. So like, again, I it, sometimes it just, I thought in the news wasn't out, a you know? Argyle Hall going to be the next Heisman winner at Alabama last spring? Oh yeah, John yeah, Hall. Uh, yeah, he um he he looked amazing, and then uh was in the doghouse, and now he plays for a different team. <laughs> uh, yeah, well he's t- well what's you know what's funny is that is that uh, everyone has joked for many years about Saban's home for wayward coaches. And then one of said wayward coaches has seemed to have gone and uh, founded a, or transformed a program into a home for wayward Alabama players. Because that's about the fourth he's had transfer there now. Wayward Alabama players. <laughs> yeah, including two uh, this season who famously spent most of the season in Saban's doghouse. So, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. guys should go where they should go. And I am I'm never one to cast aspersions on that, you know. 
do what makes you happy, and uh, sometimes a different place is just a better fit. But yeah, it's yeah. It's, but it's, my only point in that was that you know, pump <laughs> breaks. You have questions you want to answer exactly, yeah. and I do think you can get answers to those questions. But I don't think anybody's definitively saying, "Oh, we are." materially clearly better than we could have ever have hoped because X happened in a spring game. So I thought that was a good one to kind of set the stage for the rest of our conversation. We feel better, but it's, you know, a seatbelt. All right. Uh, so our second one here is the Rice defensive line will be top three in CUSA. I think before answering this one, we ought to run through the competitors because what, and you know the rest of the conference better than I do, although who knows what the rest of the conference looks like at this point. Um, but who who were the real competitors here? Obviously, UAB is going to be one. I'm trying to think who other, who else in the conference has an obvious, like, top-tier defensive line. I think the, you got, North Texas comes to mind. Uh, is yeah. Dion Noville still there? If he's there. That's a great question. I, I believe, have no idea. I, uh, is he I finally know. out of eligibility? I, I think he was. I, I believe he still has uh, eligibility. That's we're we're googling on the fly. I'm pretty sure he was like a sophomore when to, in 2020. He is a senior, oh, so we'll geez. see. Maybe he's gone. We'll see. That'll be a good one. Uh, I know Western Kentucky was up there last year. So was UTSA. They're replacing a lot. Both of those programs yeah. got hit hard by graduation. Um, I guess the NFL for Western Kentucky. That's a strange sentence. Uh, Marshall, <laughs> I know. Marshall had a bunch of guys. UAB was up there. Um, but actually, I'm pulling up right now. If you look at the top five sacks, and I know sacks is not just a defensive, defensive line stat, uh, but especially with Rice, I'm kind of lumping in like Kenneth Orgy and Josh Piercy, who play kind of that right. edge linebacker, D-line tweener spot so that's where most of the sack production is going to come from those guys uh but uh from top to bottom marshall 40 north texas 38 western kentucky 36 utsa 33 middle 32 uab 32 and rice 27 so rice 27 uh five sacks out of top five and sacks alone last year um so that's kind of the setting stage i think of that group, obviously, I know Rice the best, but Rice is bringing everybody back <laughs> other than Elijah Garcia, who is probably going to get drafted. So that's a loss, a real and, loss. And uh, getting DeBraylon Carroll. Yeah, but so this is why I put this in here, because I think it's interesting, because in that mix, if you say, OK, Rice is on the I think you would have said last year Rice was in the upper half on the D line alone, like the run defense yeah, up front was so. really good, has been really good run defense in the front the past three seasons. Uh, pass rush has been the question mark, uh, but also <laughs> like Trey Schumann, a lot of guys have been uh, dinged up and not healthy. So if they're upper half last year's, can they, can they take that step change and, and get there? So this spring uh, there was no DeBraylin Carroll and there was no Trey Schumann. Um, both of those guys, out and bubble wrapped so when it comes time to hit people uh they can but even without them the combination so i mentioned josh piercy he came on last year and played really because orgy got hurt and then orgy was back and then piercy just didn't come off the field <laughs> so they started spring with piercy as a backup to orgy on that edge uh position and probably two or three practices ends, they just said scrapped it and they put them both on the field and they were on the field on either side of the D, the D line for the rest of spring. Uh, that That's probably going to change a little bit once you get Schumann back and you can put him as a true down lineman. But if you're telling me you have two edges like that and then you have uh, Jalen Reeves, uh, which he missed Sweet a lot hills. of last season with injury. Yeah. He left Florida as like the all time leader, like state leader in high school sacks or something like that, like something bizarre. Uh, he's really good. He's going to be the uh, Anthony Ekpe back in the back in the day before Anthony Ekpe was the star. He was that third down guy who had I think he had six sacks in in three games. He had a three sack game in 2018 just as a third down guy. 
and that's Jalen Reeves. And I feel really good about that. Uh, I haven't mentioned Akina and Achuku, who I think he could get drafted next year. Um, and that's then you add Isaiah Floyd, who Bloomgren said was the player that got better each and every practice from start to finish. And I know coach speak, it's the spring, but this is a guy who was D line to O line back to D line. Yes. All of that. <laughs> I, I buy it because this is the first time he's actually played consistent defensive line since his freshman year. Um, so altogether you're telling me there's nobody else in the conference. I feel that, you know, like D'Angelo Malone, who was like, all conference caliber player at Western Kentucky is gone. Uh, there's nobody else that is coming back that's loaded. And from top to bottom on this defensive line, like, and, and Blake Banish was awesome this spring, and he's 320 pounds and 6'4, and that's your backup interior tackle. Like, I'm. I'm all in. I think this is the best line in Conference USA when everybody's healthy. And I'm I'm going to take my spring over reaction and I will plant it. If I had to pick one unit that's going to be better than everybody else in the conference, I pick the defensive line. Yeah, uh, I, I think that's fair. Um, I, I think we'll uh, I'll go ahead and declare that one true for myself as well. And uh, yeah, if they're in there in that range, I think that says good things about. Uh, where they're going to be on defense. Um, next up, we have Luke McCaffrey. Luke, not Christian, will be an all-conference player. Um, I'm going to pump the brakes a little here and say no, uh, or at least not like a first-teamer. But I will then turn around and say that he does not have to be to have but absolutely massive impact on this offense. That's very well said. I was thinking like first team when I put the the framing together, but also probably fair because I think like the honorable mention list for Conference USA is like crazy long. Yeah. Like they don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. So everybody makes <laughs> all like the honorees list is, is crazy. It's too long. Um, but yeah, I so the thing with me with Luke McCaffrey it comes down to a quality of the offense award because I think if the Rice offense hits the ceiling like the absolute best it can be, it can't do it without him. And he has to be, if not the focal point, then one of the main two or three focal points. And if the Rice offense gets to that point, then I think it would be pretty hard to lead, leave him off a all-conference list as, you know, maybe don't make him first-team wide receiver or one of the two or three they put there, uh, but all-purpose, like, yeah, he, he could be that guy. Uh, I, I'm i kind of, we'll see. I, I think you're right along the veins of, I think the offense is going to be better. I like the way that they used McCaffrey in the spring. Uh, he took a direct handoff in the from the backfield in the spring game which Luke McCaffrey yep. is a running yep. back. Check. That's good. Uh, uh, McCaffrey running back. Wow. That's has often worked out well in the past, I guess. Right. I don't think I saw any wildcat practice. That's not really a, a spring thing. No. Um, it, but I, I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now that Luke McCaffrey is going to line up at quarterback a couple times this year. Um, because why not? If you have right. the tools, um, and then they got him a ball. You saw this in this, if you watch the spring game, but there is going to be, you know, three or four just manufactured targets every game where you just hit him on a bubble screen or on a quick flat and just say, go outrun somebody. Uh, so I think he's going to put up good stats. The question is, if you're going to get all conference, you need yards, a lot of them, and you need touchdowns. And is he going to become the big play guy down the field? Rice has just never really had like, right. Austin Trammell has had like he had the, the game against Southern Miss where he had like what 700 yards and six touchdowns um, and just broke off along. And it's a little bit of an exaggeration, um, but that's kind of where I'm at. I, I, I think that if I, 
I would say that I feel relatively confident that Luke McCaffrey is going to be the most productive wide receiver on this offense. Uh, it's mm. going to be him or Ross. So I got a, I got a 50, 50 right. shot there. Um, but okay. I don't, I'm not going to put uh, either of them. Uh, well, at least Rosner has, has done it right. Uh, right. I'm not going to put McCaffrey at an, at an all conference player uh, quite yet, but I'd love to be wrong. Okay, next one we have Rice has a definitive answer at quarterback. I think we're going to go ahead and go with false on this one. Um, and that's less a statement that is bad about the quarterbacks and more just that we we still kind of don't know. I kind of feel the same about the two of them as I did coming into the spring, which is that like both have the potential to play winning football for Rice uh, and both show flashes of that at time in the spring, but... Uh, we still, we did not have one kind of take the charge here. And as, as we've alluded to before on here, I, I don't, I don't know that that was a thing that was going to happen in the spring, especially in terms of that, you know, as much as we've said about Wiley in the past, about how the problem is never practice. It's what goes on when they're under the lights and, uh, you even in scrimmage and games in spring game situations, you can't really replicate that spring practice so yeah and i think there's a part of that so like you said i didn't think we were going to get an answer but i'm going to posit a, a theory this is this is just me hypothesizing right now right my theory was that the rice coaching staff never went into spring pack practice trying to pick a quarterback i don't think that they ever had a sit down decision a plan that you know if we get a quarterback at the end of the spring, it's great. I don't think that they ever thought about it because when have we seen them have to make that decision? They've always pushed it to fall camp because they don't have to decide it in spring. Right. And they and especially you don't want to now because if somebody loses the job and you announce it in April, what happens if the other guy leaves? You just can't. Yeah. Like so if there there's was a, never there's, there's no reason to do that if you don't have to. Like so if if there was never going to be a winner picked in spring. What did you want to see from the position this spring? And I, I think the question of the spring was, can TJ McMahon be the guy? Because I think, and I saw this from, from Wiley, his, some of his worst practices were the two scrimmages in the spring game. Uh, just honestly, like he was not his sharpest. He had some practices where he was phenomenal had great ball placement, commanded the offense really well, the two-minute drill, the whole nine yards, everything. Um, but his, his like, turn the lights on, it, he wasn't at his best. I saw I saw him throw his helmet after a couple plays, uh, which if you've seen Wiley, he's pretty calm and collected. So, like, he knows what's at stake here. Um, and I don't think he would tell you he had his best spring that he could have. Uh, but with Wiley, we know what we have. Like, I think he's he's not going to be the guy that is going to be the reason that you win a football game. Um, but he, when he's playing at his best, can raise the level of people around him. Uh, and if they all do their jobs, UAB can happen. I just, right. I'm not going to bet on UAB happening every weekend. That's my 10 cents. But with with TJ, and I think this is interesting because I wrote at the beginning of the spring with this, and I said, TJ McMahon is a gunslinger. He's just going to yeah. go for it. If you look back at the Louisiana Tech game, you think about that two touchdown deficit or what was it? It was a nine points they, they overcame um, two score deficit. The reason they had a two score deficit was because McMahon threw a terrible interception and allowed Louisiana Tech to score again and thus had to come back. Like he set up his own wall that he <laughs> had to climb. It was it was his right. fault that he then had to make the comeback and credit to him because he made the comeback. And ultimately that is all that matters. So I said, this guy's a gunslinger. And I was talking with him after the spring game. And I don't think this was an accidental choice of words, but he said, you know, some people call me a gunslinger, but the thing I'm most proud of from what I've done this spring is I've gotten more comfortable in the flow of the offense and taking the right shots and knowing where the ball is supposed to go and being more under control and distributing the ball well. Yeah. And I was like, okay, you heard me. And I think he did. I think you saw that in the spring game. The touchdown pass he had, he rolled out and was 
instantly leveled by George Nyqual and Myron Morrison at the same time and put the ball uh, where only Bennett Meekum in the corner of the end zone could go get it. And uh, Bennett Meekum is, you know, probably a third team wide receiver with, with the depth that we have right now. So it, it, it was a good throw and he went up there and got it. And I've seen enough from TJ. The questions was, can he like tone down the crazy, like just YOLO balls and just mm-hmm. be a good quarterback? Yeah. And I saw him do all of those things. So I think, I, I think I'm going to say false. We don't have a definitive answer, but I'm also going to say that I don't think that there was ever a plan for it. Right. And I think we're going to get into this, into the spring. We're going to exit the spring. We're going to get into the fall. And, you know, Luke McCaffrey showed up because of his connection with the Bloomgren family. And, you know, being his third stop, it was kind of a natural progression to go, you know, into the CUSA level. It just kind of made sense. So I don't think another Luke McCaffrey is going to appear. Yeah. Um, so at that point, it's going to be one of these two guys. So, you know, I think we have an answer. I, If you made me choose, I, I don't know, because I don't know if, you know. Right. Wiley I think was team I, captain and he was like had the start. And yeah. I, I think I feel maybe more confident <laughs> that McMahon can kind of outright win the job. I guess that's where I'm at. I don't yeah. know who's going to start game one, but I feel like Mc, Mc, if if TJ McMahon goes out there, I feel like Rice is going to be in good hands. Yeah, you know, it's the old adage that in sports generally, for a lot of different applications of this, it's generally easier to dial down the aggression of a guy who always wants to go for the big shot than it is to coax that out of a guy who doesn't have it. And I'm not saying Wiley does not have the aggression, but, you know, uh, I remember... Well, I think- I think that's fair because I think Giovanni Johnson is on the other end of the spectrum. And he had he had a really good spring, actually. We haven't talked about him much because he's not really in the competition. But I feel like that the other end of the spectrum was Giovanni, is that he never wanted to take that shot. He right. He, he, he didn't throw interceptions because he didn't he didn't throw downfield. If he got it flustered, he said, I'm an athlete with my legs and I can go. And so that's the polar opposite. Right. Um. And but but I remember like when McMahon was first on campus. I mean, uh, what has it been two years now? Yeah, yeah. He came in with Mike Collins. Yeah, twenty twenty. But I remember when he was first on campus. uh, Like, I mean, I I guess they didn't have spring that year, but like, where we were talking about the like, oh, you know, like he's not really in the competition, but like, man, this kid's really a gunslinger. Like, you know, he totally goes for it. Like he, 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 he tries to throw the bomb every time. I think um, that spring he had like 200 yards and three touchdowns. He had like a 75 yard touchdown to Andrew Mason in the spring game. I remember yeah. that. So, yeah. Um, no, no definitive answer here in the form of like, yeah, this guy is going to be the starter, but um I think that you have more confidence that the good things we saw out of McMahon at the end of last season are sustainable and that they can be built into sort of further strengths that could could potentially solidify him as the starter. So relatively relatively optimistic so far. I'm going to give us one more chance. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, question number five. I guess this is it's not a question. It's a statement. Uh, the Rice offense is going to be better in 2022. Um, and are you using like pencil, lowercase, uppercase? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna Sharpie? say um, uh, I'm gonna say true, but in in uh, like if you've ever done a crossword puzzle where you kind of uh, you know write it in lightly <laughs> so it's easy to erase. Well, no, no, you have T. And U or T and U and E across through the other letters, and you're like, this one has to be an R, so I think it has to be true. That like yeah. that, yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, assuming health, uh, which is a fool's errand, as we know. Um, but if there are not a rash of major injuries, um then I think there is the potential for something here. Uh, we saw the R- offense 
start to build some progress last year. I think we saw some sort of good things in terms of what it looked like under Coach Tui, and I think we expect that to continue. And uh, assuming they are reasonably healthy, then I, I think some amount of improvement. And again, we talked about a bit last. We talked about last year that the the offense actually, you know, made some real strides over the end of last year. So even if that is just sort of that getting sustained over the course of the year and then making sort of marginal improvements on the edges, then then that would be enough to give this one a true for me. And uh, I'm, I'm going to say true, and I, I probably feel a little bit more confident about it because, and I think I get the, I'm going to color myself a little bit with the fact that I like, I got to sit in and watch a lot of just regular practice, uh, you know, not just a handful of scrimmages, but just sit down and, and watch the offense and see you know, how they line up and what the personnel looks like. And, you know, I I made this comment um, at one point to to Coach Tui, and I said, you know, the season before you got here in, in 2020, Rice ran two plays with an empty formation in the backfield. No running backs, five wide. Uh, and that was in 2020. Uh, both plays were called back by penalty. So officially in 2020, from my memory, not a single play run in five games from a five wide formation. And we saw last year, a little bit of five wide, a lot of four wide, um, especially with the, you know, the receiver room with Brad and August Pete both going out early uh, a lot for that given. And then throughout the this spring just the way that they're deploying the pieces that they have and the ways that they're getting them the football i know this is kind of generic and vague and and foo-foo maybe i can be more tactical but like uh the fact that they i think they have leaned we've once two we got here they leaned further away from run the ball up the middle run the ball up the middle throw on third and eight and I think if we think the offensive line is even marginally better and a second year of Tui's offensive philosophies being put in and self-scouting being done, I think there's something to be said for Tui calling, uh, being plugged in and, and calling the offense and, and putting things together and then seeing what worked and different. So then you can self-scout and change things. So I think we're going further into a more Tui spread quarterback motion uh, style of offense and a little bit further away from the pure smash mouth. Like there's going to be smash mouth, but right. because of that, I, I feel very confident that the offense is going to be better just because I, I think they're going to style it a little bit better for the pieces that they have. Right. Well, and what's, you know, something that, has been said in many forums that I've tried to emphasize a lot on this podcast when uh, the this sort of topic has come up is that the best coaches, what they do is, you know, they have schemes and they have tendencies and they have things they like to run and philosophies they believe in, but all of that is malleable and adjustable based on the personnel that you have. So a scheme that is tailored to, or a variation of a scheme that is tailored to the strengths of the players that you have is ultimately always going to be the best thing to do. And as we see this offense trend more in that direction, I think that naturally sort of leads to improvement. And can I like, I know that like the position coaches like might not be something that, you know, the casual fan might think of very much, but uh, CJ Anderson is the rice running backs coach. Like, I, I know we mentioned that at, like, the beginning of the spring on the podcast, but uh, that's really good. Like, it, it helps. Uh, he can turn on when I, I was talking with Dean Connors and he said, yeah, so he'll just turn on highlights and show us how to do stuff. And it's his film from the Super Bowl. And I was like, oh, <laughs> like, not just like, I'm great. pretty sure because I've studied coaching clinics that this is how you make this cut. He's like, no, this is how you did it, because. You know, here's Charles Woodson and I beat him. 
(laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it does lend a uh, certain credibility, shall we say. Like, there's no guarantee. Like, there have been plenty of great players, like, like players who are much better players, uh, but, like, relative to their roles than C.J. Anderson was, who made very bad coaches. Uh, but, so this is far from an automatic thing, but uh, it doesn't hurt, shall we say. Um, right. And if a guy has the right personality and is the right kind of teacher, then that, that, Especially that extra credibility goes a long way, I think. Yeah, and and, and the, the thing that made it stood out for me is what we saw from the spring this offense is we saw a lot of explosive plays on the ground. And, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, Carter, that the spring, you're, it's good for your offense and bad for your – like somebody is losing. It's, it's a zero-sum game, so right. it's not all, you know, everything's going great. But we would see, you know, Cam Montgomery – go for 30 yards off tackle, and then you see somebody get stuck in the backfield for a loss of four, and then you see Cam go for 30, and then you see Dean go for 25, and then you see Juma go for 25, and this were like close enough in succession, and I'm talking first-team offense against first-team defense. Uh, and we just, explosive plays have never been something that this offense has been very good at, and that's why drives have struggled, is because you need a 17-play drive with six third-down conversions to score especially when you can't kick field goals. Um, so if you're going to tell me that I, I think the offense will be better alone because I think we can start counting on one 15-ish yard play a drive, at least, which is not something that happened in years past. No, no, not so much. And I would take it. So I, ooh, if you if you tell, if I had to power rank these, like which I'm most confident in, I, I would say the D-line is number one. And I, this might be number two. Hmm. I'd have to think on it, but it's close. I, I yeah. feel I feel pretty, pretty darn good. True, all caps, but still in pencil. <laughs> um, OK, next up, we have a couple more. Uh, at least one spring discovery will become an impact player. So our. Spring discoveries here are uh, Jojo Jean, Jonathan Jean, who uh, has been written about extensively, who uh, I, I think Bloom mentioned at one point is basically someone someone who seemed to be making a play every time you looked up during the spring. Um, Andrew Awe, who seems to be making, it, it is awe, like the like the word awe, right? I'm saying that, right? I, I believe it's Awe. Awe, okay, yes. there we go. Um, Andrew Alway, who is making his move at linebacker, and Peyton Stevenson, got a shout-out, one of my Alabama guys, uh, who is uh, had a great spring at wide receiver. So the bet here is true or false, one of these guys will become an impact player. I'm going to say true, um, accounting for either room, I think, for Stevenson to make an impact at wide receiver, or for Gene to... Um, if any of the corners ahead of him get hurt, it seems like he will slide into a spot relatively quickly if he keeps growing at this rate. So giving me the three of them, even... Um, I'll let you pick somebody else, too. Those were the three that came to mind. Yeah, no, I think I think it's good. I think that's a good sort of... Um, I, I don't know, yeah. I feel like otherwise, I, I like these all because they are all guys who had really great springs and who are guys who could definitely make moves, but uh, are still, like, still have guys ahead of them, you know? Like, yes. you couldn't pick Dean Connors here because, like, obviously Dean Connors is going <laughs> to play a big role in this offense. Dean so, Connors is going to be the starting running back. Yeah. Like, I, like I, I think these are a good set because there is still, like, if you ask about any one of them individually, I would say more likely than not that they don't necessarily make a huge impact. But if you give me all three of them together and say what's the likelihood that one of them does, then I'm probably going to say true here. So I, I'm i going to pretty firmly say false. Um, okay. Not because I don't think these are good players, but I'm going to go back to spring of 2020, uh, mm-hmm. if you will when Rice took a backup linebacker and said, hey, we don't have any running backs. Will you play running back? Uh, And that was Ari Broussard. And he had a heck of a spring at running back. 
He got a scholarship in the locker room, was a walk-on, uh, after the spring game, and then faded into the distance for a year. <laughs> and then we had another spring game, right. and he was awesome. And then last year, with injuries, he became, middle of the season, the starting running back. And right. that's why so what, you're, what you're saying is one of these guys <laughs> is going to be a great player in 2023. That's exactly what I'm saying, because I think if you're the, the, the problem with so Jojo Gene had if you if you made gave Blue, Coach Bloomgren truth serum and said who had the most impactful spring out of anybody on the roster, it was Jojo Gene. Rice went down to three corners for the first scrimmage. They had I think four corners for the spring game, but they had so many guys get banged up. And usually when you're pulling in like the um, like the sixth or seventh corner which is what gene would have been like will be in the fall uh it's you know open season for the quarterbacks and it wasn't because he made so many good plays and i was so impressed uh but sean fresh and jordan dunbar what they did last year like i'm sorry they're they're not getting unseated like jordan dunbar like defended Traylon burks and did it well and Traylon burks is going to be a first round pick i'm i'm not like not making too many broad strokes, but I'm just saying, like, Jordan Dunbar is really good. Sean Fresh is really good. I don't think they're coming off the football field very much. And, and then you have, uh, you know, that next wave of Miles McCord, who was became the anchor when there were no corners left. Uh, and then Trayshawn Devones, who's been hurt and hasn't been playing for a while, but also had a really, really good uh, freshman season when he was healthy. So I think Gene has probably moved up from the uh, you're on scout team to like, yeah, if he's, you know, on the depth, on the two deep as, as the backup on one side, I think that's reasonable. Um, but I don't think any of these guys become impact players outside of special teams, because I think Alway is going to be just lock him into special teams. I think Stevenson could have a really big role in special teams. Gene could too. Um, all three of those guys, I think they're, they're going to play in every game. This is not a red shirt situation for any of them. Um, but I think I think there's enough guys in front of them pending injury, assuming that, you know, we don't go down to corner number seven and wide receiver number nine, because like for the third year in a row, that's probably not going to happen. Uh, I say none of them become impact players in the way we're thinking. But I think if you're telling me, man, your your seventh corner, you know, can go toe to toe with your first team offense and your first team offense is going to be OK. Like, I feel I'm I'm really happy. Like, it makes me very happy to say none of those guys are probably going to be starters at any point during this season. Yeah, that's a fair point. Um, and I think, like, Peyton Stevenson, you know, I'm going to be pounding the table for him all fall. I'm already <laughs> going to tell you all. He is such a good football player. Bloomgren made the comment. This was after the uh, the 2020 season when... They had no wide receivers left. I think they had one uh, one scholarship wide receiver in their final game because Jake Bailey missed it because he was hurt. Um, and that was when he was coming. And Bloomgren said, if, if, if Stevenson were here, he would have been our starting ax. And I'm like, there was nobody left. But I'm like, he could, he could. It, like, if you told me tomorrow, like, Peyton Stevenson is your starting ax. I mean, like, man, that stinks. But he's good. Like. I'm not freaking out. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, I, I, I think I have a lot of Stevenson, I think is the guy I would say more likely here among any of them, just because there is sort of more opportunity at wide receiver for like multiple guys to be impact players um, and more kind of fluidity in that depth chart, I guess. All right. Our last one here is uh, the general <laughs> one. And you see that a, segue. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh rice has enough enough depth and i guess my question is a semantic <laughs> one what is enough uh i put this in here kind of as a laugh but also serious because i, I think my answer is false because there is never enough depth i, I after yeah, the past true. two seasons i've talked myself into saying it, whatever it is, Rice does not have it because nobody has it because college football. 
I, I think maybe the uh, I'm cheating on my own game, but uh, Rice has uh, how do I phrase this? Um, barring cataclysmic plague of injuries, Rice has enough depth, or uh, Rice has strong depth. Rice has quality depth. How do we want to cash this? <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess it's dependent on positions, but I do feel like there are maybe more of those uh, than more positions where that is the case than there maybe have been in the past. Like, I feel like, like on the defensive line, obviously that's a big one, but like we've talked before um, about the need for not just wanting you know, guys who can play on the defensive line, but like you need, you need to rotate on the defensive line. You need to keep those guys oh. fresh. You need to get more guys in there. Can and, I interject and, really quick at risk of yeah. totally throwing you off your train of thought? Uh, after we had this all conversation in the spring about how good the D line and it was great, uh, they picked up a grad transfer, uh, Quint Titre uh, from ACU, and he's good. Like he's going to be a rotation piece on the interior of that line. And we talked about they already have like. Four or five guys. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, you you can never have too many uh, defensive linemen who are capable of playing. So I will always take another one. But but to be able to actually rotate those guys because you want to, and because you have enough that can actually play to the standard that you need, is a massive massive thing. Not just in terms of like having you know just more dudes, but like keeping the ones you have your best guys fresh. Um, so just having real depth, playable depth in that position is massive. It has such a like, you know, kind of cascade effect on the rest of the defense. Um, so that's a huge one. Um, we, I feel like they have depth at wide receiver for the 10,000th year, but we'll see. <laughs> um, they have two guys who are at least capable of playing winning football uh, and who have led the team to big wins at quarterback. Um for the so, spring game, we haven't mentioned him yet, but uh, Ari couldn't go and Cam Montgomery couldn't go. It was basically just Dean Connors and Juma. And we haven't talked about Juma, Juma on this podcast hardly at all. Uh, Juma was really good. He ended up being scout team a lot last year when Christian Francisco got hurt because they were out of running backs, basically. Um, but worked his way onto the field in the, as a kick returner. And if you're telling me, you know, Juma, who, what, I... Well, I don't remember where he finished on the record books, but with that 224-yard game against Old Dominion um, with two touchdowns his freshman year was like top five all-time Rice running backs and rushing yards in the game or something. Uh, if you're telling me he's like your fourth, third or fourth running back, that's pretty good. <laughs> I'll yeah, take no, it. no, that'll do it. You go down the list. I I think if if I'm pointing to spots where I have question marks – uh, tight end is, we didn't see much this spring because basically it was just Jack Bradley and Cal transfer Gavin Reinwald. Those were pretty much the only guys who were healthy from start to finish. Uh, the only touchdown in the first scrimmage was a tight end screen to Gavin Reinwald, which there's a fun fact for you. Um, question marks there. Linebacker, we saw a couple guys flash. Uh, there's going to be some reinforcements there. Uh, you know, they got a, a guy coming in from Columbia, I think could be plug and play. We'll see uh, how that goes. Uh, so those are probably the two that are kind of thin. But if you're telling me your your thinner spots are uh, tight end and linebacker, like. You'd rather that's, have yeah, that's manageable. Yeah, right. You'd If I had to pick, I like I want a really deep D line. I want a deep wide receiver core and I want a deep secondary. If you give me all of those things and you give me. Five good offensive linemen. I don't need eight, but like five, I'd like eight. But if you'll give me five, yeah, <laughs> you can make it work. <clears throat> That's where things at. And then you you mentioned this. I, I this quote for me when I was putting kind of these pieces together was in the back of my mind. Uh, and I'm just gonna read it because this is what Bloomberg told me after we were talking about the D line. But I think it kind of stretches a little bit. Uh, he said we've had years where you know guys what our depth looked. Uh, I'm going to read this verbatim quote. We've had years where you guys know what our depth has looked like on the D line, where we are a broken shoestring away from wanting to call a timeout. So they can't run a play. 
And now we've got guys who are going to roll in there on purpose. And I think that kind of quote kind of sums up where the, you know, second team is for Rice. Like, I feel like the second team is is competent. And I go back, I'm always going to remember when Rice played Houston in 2018. The (laughs) there was a bunch of injuries in that game leading up to it in the secondary. And Rice was literally plugging in and plugging and playing a fourth string running back at corner and said, guard like this happened in a game, fourth string running back at corner and said, guard Marquez Stevenson. Sure. Yeah. That's that That's happened that happens. at a Rice football game. You had a backup <laughs> running back guarding an all AAC wide receiver, like back to two years in a row or something. Like Market Stevenson was really good. And they scored like, what, 24 points in the fourth quarter and came back and beat Rice because that happened. That's not happening now. And I'm not saying that like that means they're going to be great. But I mean, when you get to, hey, we need somebody to go in and play corner, you have JoJo Jean going in. And like we said, he was really good. Like, I feel pretty comfortable about JoJo Jean. Like, JoJo Jean is your fallback plan is a lot better than fourth string running back. Bless him. Yeah, yeah, no, that'll do it. So are we sufficiently spring hyped? Huh, yeah, like, trying yeah. to stay level. We've officially done the, uh, uh, you know, build ourselves up in the spring to the point where, uh, you know, Rice is going to win the conference. So, you know, just rational optimism only here. Yeah, that's what we're good at. Sports fans, rational optimism. All right. Well, uh, that is the last of our things. Uh, we have kept this at a tight, like, roughly 50 minutes so far. So uh, in the interest of, you know, finishing the spring strong and and being in season shape already, since we are likely to get out of it as the <laughs> offseason goes on, um, then, yeah, I, I think we'll cut it here. So uh, we will find ways to fill the rest of the time until uh, football season really cranks up again. But uh, thanks for sticking with us through the spring. And uh, we'll see you all again soon. And rise, fight. This show was edited and produced by Carter Spires. It features music from Joseph McDade.